Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Draft night was last night. Pacers, a couple of first-rounders. We got the studio. This is, in fact, the most people we've ever had in the studio right here, which is amazing. I absolutely love it. Everybody's in here from the Pacers, family members and such. Jarris Walker, number eight overall. We'll say number seven. We know how that worked out. And number 26 overall is also in the building. It is Ben Shepard in studio with us. Fellas, how we doing? I'm great, man. How much, how much rest did we get? Come on now. Couple couple hours. Couple hours. How about you, Ben? How much you get? I probably got four hours of sleep. Last That's night. about it. Yeah. Couple hours and four. It's worth it though, isn't it? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Great night. Um, I'm I'm curious about how all this went down, and we'll start with you. Um, last night was kind of weird because you thought you were going to go at number seven, which you were gonna, and then there was a trade happening. So, for you, was that kind of odd? When you were walking up there and you go, I'm supposed to go to the Pacers, but you know now I'm with the Wizards. How'd that go down? I mean, it's it's all kind of like a part of draft night, just the the mystery, the uncertainty. So, I mean, like obviously I had an idea that I was going to the Pacers. Yeah. But, I mean, when they didn't pick me, like I was like, damn, like what happened? And then <laughs> I guess it just all kind of kind of worked itself. What did they tell you afterwards? How that went down, the Pacers? Um, so. They just gave me a so after the pick they had gave me a call and just said kind of like mm-hmm. congratulations right like we're we're picking you so like I was still kind of confused what was going on but like obviously I put two and two together all right so it made sense now now were you cool and calm when you went up there to do the interview on stage oh yeah yeah felt good because I knew I mean I had knew before that yeah so, but I mean I guess the outside world didn't so I just still put on a hat do what I had to do hey, had you practiced your interviews did you go through that part of it when you were going to be introduced to to the world like that of the NBA and in that interview had you practiced that just like you practiced a lot of other things leading up to that night honestly that's I didn't practice with it at all I feel like interviews just kind of come natural to me it's, it's natural right here uh, yeah. it is uh, Ben Shepard's also in here how'd your situation go down did you think was it the moment when Wojnarowski had said there was a, a mid-major riser did you hear that and then all of a sudden think maybe he's talking about me or did you already know yeah, um, I kind of went into it blind yesterday. Did you? Um, I deleted all social media throughout this whole Did process. Did you really? Well, keep it deleted. You don't uh, need it. <laughs> didn't ask my uh, agent about any predictions or anything like that. But um, yeah, when they I heard my name get called at 26, I was super happy. Now, did you? You, you probably have at least a preconceived notion. What, well, my agent it? tapped on my shoulder and he was like, "It's time," and I was like, "Really? Oh, oh my goodness!" <laughs> so, what your What your agent say to you? You get a You get a tap on the shoulder and is it time, or you just something you expected? Um, honestly, I told him don't even don't even say nothing. I was just just wanted to live in the moment, really. So, it's but, a, I mean, like they they had to say something, right? Like when because like just the situation how it kind of went down with the trading and the picks and all that so after after that I kind of knew but like leading up I was just 
I was just like, like my man said, just went into a blind. All right, we're multifaceted here. We're obviously 93.5107.5, the fan. Uh, inside the lounge via YouTube Live, where you can see the Pacer first-rounders uh, on camera right now. They can give you guys a wave and and check it out with Jarris Walker and, and Ben Shepard in studio. Um, Jarris, I'm thinking about you. It seemed like that the Pacers had you hard-targeted from the get-go. What type of workout did you have here? Um, I had a really good workout, just in terms of showcasing my versatility, um, my touch, my shooting range, um, just a little bit of everything. So I feel like just me being the player I was, the competitor I was, just coming out here, competing, just just doing what I do, just hooping, working out. So I feel like it went well. When did you know when you were playing this season at Houston that this may be the lone season for you there? Was it at the beginning? Was it at some point kind of a signature moment during the season where you thought, yeah, you know what, next year I'm going to the next level? Was there a moment for you this year? I mean, I wouldn't even say a, say a moment. It just kind of... I mean, I try not to think too far into the future. Sure. Like, focus on things I can't control and whatnot. So, I mean, like, when I was at Houston, I was just trying to play my best basketball, just hooping, and then I feel like... Just, like, talking to, talking with my agent, just saying, like, the feedback he was getting, I feel like that's that's kind of when it came in reality. So, I mean, it, you just kind of waited to find out that... I mean, what, how'd you feel, like, when your agent said, hey, you're going to be a lottery selection here? That's how much you're valued. What 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 did that feel like at that moment when you were told that? Um, I feel like it was kind of kind of what I deserved in a sense, like just the hard work and effort I've been putting in for years and years. I feel like I hold up with the rest of you guys just fine, just in terms of my talent, my skill level, my physique, what I could bring on the basketball court. So I feel like I, f- I feel like I'm exactly where I'm supposed to be. What's up? Ben Shepard's also in studio. When did you feel that? Because I mean, you're what a four year guy mm-hmm. at Belmont, right? I'm assuming, like, how many different schools were trying to, to get you uh, at the transfer portal and stuff? I'm assuming a lot come at you at, yeah. at Belmont like that, too. But when did you decide that, hey, this is good for me, I'm good, and my, my next level dreams are, are ready to come true? When was that? Yeah, after the season ended this year, um, I had a lot of thinking to do, whether if I was going to take my fifth year at another school or at Belmont, or if I should pr- pursue my professional career and uh talk to my family and i think that's the best decision that was made and uh yeah, happy with my decision. I am an Indiana State guy sitting right here, okay. by the way, too. I'm trying yeah. to think. You go 18 and 19, one regular season game, and then the uh, Arch Madness against Indiana State this year. Yeah. Is that what you did? They lost, or they beat us in the in the Arch Madness Arch yeah, Madness, quarterfinals. Yeah. We were watching that in here, and yeah. I think you beat them by one. It was like a shootout, like 80, 88, 87, something like that, I think, yeah. during the, the yeah. regular season, too. So, uh, Belmont preparing you, right, in the Missouri Valley? Mm-hmm. And, uh, how many years did you play um, – in the Missouri Valley compared to how many years in the Ohio Valley? Yeah, three in the Ohio Valley, one in one. Missouri Valley. So it was only one? Yeah. Okay, two. Well, that makes a lot of sense. So yeah. so you're here now. What did the Pacers tell you about their expectations and your growth with this organization so far? Um, one of the first things Coach Carlisle um, asked me is if I'm comfortable with the ball in my hands. And um, I grew up playing point guard until I grew six inches my junior year. What? So uh, I'm comfortable at the point guard position, but also shooting the ball at a high level and also defending one through two, maybe three. So so how tall were you as a sophomore in high school? 5'11". 5'11". Yeah. What were you thinking about? What was going to be – how tall were you as a sophomore? As a sophomore, I was like 6'5". Were you really? What were you thinking about you were going to be at 5'11 in high school? Did you have any of this kind of thought 
in mind at all, no even shot. back then? Nope. Nope. When did that start to become a reality for you? <laughs> I'd probably say junior year really? of college. Nice. Yeah. But I always knew I was good. I just felt like I was flying under the radar for a good amount of time. But Jarris, when did it come a reality to you that that NBA was going to be your um, next level? I knew it could be like possible once I got to once I got to high school. Um, at IMG Academy, just playing against those high level dudes, competing with older dudes, just holding my own against against high level talent. So I feel like just just being able to stick around. And it's like I said, hold my own with them. I kind of feel like feel like it was possible. What did the Pacers tell you about their expectations for you? Um, for sure, just to just to come in, um, defend. I mean, that's what I, I feel like. It's one of the better things I do. Um, just come in, be aggressive, be assertive, um, and just just make an immediate impact. So just whatever you can do. Now, have you guys talked to any of your future teammates yet? Anybody reach out to you at all? Yeah, yeah. A couple of the dudes um, had hit me from the team. I uh, got to chat with a couple of them for a little bit. Ben, what about you? A couple of them. A couple of them. Too, but it was just congratulations. But. You, you guys seem pretty calm and collected right now. Is it tough or are you just tired? What is it? You seem like you're really calm and collected. Most would be outside their mind right now. Is that just how you're, you're built or you're a little tired? I mean, you caught us on the tail end. Oh, yeah. Well, it's, it's up to me to get you guys all back fired up again before you get out of town. Now, you, will you guys bail out of town after this, or are you staying around for a little bit? Um, I think we got a night, and then I'm out tomorrow. I'm not too sure about it. I leave tonight. Oh, you leave tonight? Mm-hmm. No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it makes a lot of sense. So, both of you will be playing in, in Summer League, correct? Yep. And Summer League, Jarris gets underway, what, three weeks, I think, from now? Um, I think the first game is on July, early July. Yeah. 8th, I think. So. Yeah. Now, I don't think I ask you this, Ben. What do you think you can add to the team sooner rather than later? I know all this is, is a long-term viewpoint here, but what, what do you think you add to this Pacer team? Um, I'd probably say shooting and defense. Um, and obviously, whatever role is asked of me, I'd do it. And uh, just figuring out what that role is and doing it at a high level. So, How much did you know of the Pacers before they drafted you last night? How I, know much I, you know I know I worked out well here, but uh, well, I, didn't, I didn't know that they well, were that interested. So. It's interesting because you both did. Now, did you, Jarris, did you participate in the Chicago Combine or did you stay out of that? Um, no, I didn't. You, you didn't go to that. You did. Yeah. And you did a lot of work up there. What, and I was always kind of curious about this because everybody had talked about, you know, Ben Shepard had a great Chicago Combine. What, what did you do up there that maybe, in your opinion, stood out? Was it shooting the basketball? Was there other aspects that maybe people that hadn't seen you fully at Belmont? were unaware that you could do on a higher level? Yeah. Um, I don't know how much people are familiar with Belmont basketball, but it's kind of like a system, and uh, you can't really go outside of it. So, like, in the combine, I try to show my passing ability, um, playmaking ability off of roll, pick and rolls and stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, I'm happy with my performance up there and uh, definitely shot the ball at a high level, too. How many years were you with Rick Bird? Uh, he recruited he recruited me. I yeah. committed to him, and he retired before I got there. Well, I mentioned this because 2019 was a friend of mine, Dylan Windler, from Perry Meridian here locally, who was drafted in the first round, mm-hmm. much like you guys were too, by, by Cleveland. Um, he um, was at Belmont, and he was in Rick Bird's system. He, I think he was graduated in 2019 when you came in yeah. as a freshman, so I don't think you guys overlapped yeah. whatsoever. Mm-hmm. But you know, he'd always talked about how not only was it was a, an offense where you couldn't get out of it, but it was also an offense if you had the skill level, you could showcase exactly. that on a nightly basis. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Um, just like you said, you could showcase it. If a good player's good, he's going to show out in any system. And uh, 
yeah, to some extent, I did that this year, but I just wanted to show different pieces of my game in this whole process. So That is Ben Shepard of Belmont, number 26 overall, number 8 overall, we'll call it number 7. Uh, Jarris Walker's in studio. Did you always come with a, a defensive mentality, a defensive prowess, or how much was that built with Kelvin Sampson in, in that year you spent at Houston? Um, I feel like I was always a good defender, high-talented defender, could switch, protect the paint, play passing lanes, but I feel like kind of took pride in it and really keyed in on it and focused on it first when I got to like a defensive-minded school like like Houston and, and under uh, Calvin Sampson. I mean, does that where it starts there? I mean, the first thing before anything else, you got to get out there and you got to play defense. I mean, he's not going to play you if you're not defending. <laughs> so, I mean, it was, it was just my one on the floor. Did you, ever, did you ever have to grab some bench because maybe you weren't defending at the level in which he expected? Was there yeah, a, a sure. teaching like, or a learning moment? Yeah, practices, just get on the baseline running. Uh, just learning through games, learning through films, mess ups, mistakes, but just adjusting and, and learning on the fly. How about you enjoy that season in Houston? I had a great time. I had a great time. Like it was so many ups and downs, but I knew that was a part of the journey. So just being able to go there, meet with the guys, connect, gel, get so close with them. Like I, I talk to most of the guys still. Like we just kind of built that bond. Well, Marcus Sasser was with you last night. He was. He was on the phone at. Four or something last. Well, wait a minute. Let's hear about the four a.m. phone conversation <laughs> with former Houston teammates right here. What were we talking about? I mean, like just a just the journey. Like I was so proud of him. Like I think I was doing the interview that I heard his name called, and it was just it was just like just a proud, happy moment for him. Cause he's he's been working his tail off since since I got on campus. Really, I mean, he's had a long career. Uh, did a lot of great things, so I was just I was just happy he was able to reach his dream. I've said this um, a number of times here. Um, it, it, one of my favorite players to watch, it, and it starts with effort, um, much like you guys have been talking about, is Quentin Groves playing for the Knicks, who's a, a former Houston Cougar as well. Um, it just kind of seems like anybody that comes out of that Houston program has that ready made. That type of effort, and then you play defense, and then everything else kind of falls into that category. Is that true? Yeah, for sure, because that's how – I mean, that's the culture of the program. I mean, defense first, rebounding first, and then everything else plays out, like you said. Because, I mean, those are the those are the things that you can control, and those are the things I feel like win games ultimately, just being able to defend at a high level. And then rebound, just protect the paint. So, I feel like just the, the culture of, of Houston and, and what Kevin, Kevin says it. Kelvin Sampson, excuse me, preaches is is definitely what, what helps keep these players ready to go. So, how was the overall draft night experience? How was that for you? I mean, you, you had the suit, you had the interviews, you had all that. You're shaking your head. I don't know whether you're shaking your head because you were digging it or because you could do without it. <laughs> no, it was it was beautiful. Like the whole the whole process, like you said, like getting ready, throwing on the fit, seeing what everybody else is wearing, and then like I mean, my favorite part was just watching where all my dudes just ended up like all the dudes I was playing against hooping against playing with like some, some of my teammates were in the draft as well from high school obviously Marcus from college so just seeing where everybody ends up and just watching everybody reach their dream it, it was a special night for, for a lot of people but same conference with Taylor Hendricks right mm-hmm. at, at Central Florida how'd you, how'd you guys play against one another in the regular um, season yeah we matched up twice um, we, we got the better them both times well I mean it was a it was a great matchup he's a high talented high skilled dude well it was weird because around here I mean you two were the most common names that were were mentioned around here and uh, you know there was some footage of you guys playing against one another certainly and uh, and seeing where that goes did uh, the, the whole tournament situation end with a thud for you too or is that 
you know, as far as you know, the way you guys went out in Houston, the way Houston went out in the tournament in March. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Just on. Just not what we thought it would it would be. But I mean, I guess that's March for you. I mean, it's not what anybody thinks it's going to be, really. But just firing through injuries. I mean, just yeah. performances from some players. Um, I mean, it's just a, it's just a part of basketball. In every game you go and bring your best. And, and do what you asked of, and I feel like it was just, just one of those games for our team to happen to be. So I mean, I feel like we just we just came up on the wrong side of it. Now that is Jess Walker right there, number eight overall, really number seven to the Pacers, number twenty six at a Belmont. Ben Shepard's also in studio. You look back at your college career, maybe reflect a little bit right now, um, some moments and and what that built you into. How enjoyable was it, and are you glad you went through that in Nashville, at Belmont? Definitely, um, I grew a lot in my four years at Belmont. Um, my freshman year, there'd be games where I didn't touch the court, and there'd be games where I'd play 30 minutes, like I never knew uh, what type of game it was going to be. And uh, sophomore year, after my junior, or after my freshman season, I stayed in the gym, perfected my craft, worked on it, and uh, yeah, I just stayed in the gym and kept working. And it paid off my sophomore year, paid off more my junior year, and then senior year, I had a huge role, and uh, I felt like I had a pretty good pretty good season so yeah you, you, you put yourself on the map certainly there and uh and got drafted and in round number one now you guys workout wise do you guys go by a, a dietary plan nutritionist or you just kind of do this on your own your workout um, Jared, starting with you yeah for sure so i i mean i just eat just eat healthy or try to it's just more like just cutting stuff out I would say like just the sweets the the candy the french fries mm-hmm. fried food just things like that but I mean like it's a it's a nutritionist available and like if I need to talk to her or or me with her just focus on things but I feel like I do a pretty good job of just watching what goes into my body so you uh not with the french fry you go with the broccoli you go to the broccoli you reach for the broccoli first Brussels do you sprouts. there you go Brussels oh there you go right there how about you at Belmont I'm assuming from what Dylan said you guys have a pretty good program down there to help keep you guys on track health wise as well yeah we have a nutritionist and uh, our strength coach also does a good job like giving us what we need but um I'd say the same as Jarris I kind of just watch what I eat myself but um yeah, there's people at Belmont to help you with that. And they definitely give me tips along the way that I can just implement my own life. So. All right, this is a question for you both. Jarris, I'll start with you. Anybody that you did not know that you met through all these workouts and, and this entire process that now is a, a pretty good friend with you? Um, I mean, I can't really say. I mean, most of my I had one workout with another person. Did you do all singular workouts yeah. for the most part? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, now you had one workout with somebody else with you. Um, in Utah, went to Providence. Name slipping on my head. But. Well, and that's okay because I'm curious, and you can answer this as well, Ben. When you're in a a multiplayer workout setting, does that make you go? I mean, I'm not suggesting you don't go hard when you go singular, but does it go make you go even harder because you got all these dudes also here trying to show out in front of everybody? Does definitely. it even make you climb 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 higher in what you're trying to do? Yeah, definitely. Um, there's a sense of competitiveness in these six player workouts, and um, I've done 16 of them. 
Um, so you did 16. I've met a lot of people, um, learned a lot of people's games, and I ran into some of the same people, actually, So uh, in different workouts. So just um, taking information and playing hard to make yourself stand out. So. Did, did you learn something meaningful of it coming out of there? I mean, something you can take with you to the NBA as far as a, you know, a, a work ethic, uh, just you know, anything concerned over those 16 times that you worked out? Anything you can take with you? Um, definitely just asking tips from coaches and front office people like, tips about rookie rookie uh year and stuff like that but um just being yourself and uh focusing on your your role and do, being good at it so hey jarrett when you were here you worked out singularly here what, what kind of conversation did you have with with kevin pritchard chad buchanan with rick carlisle while you were here yeah for sure we were just talking about what i could bring to the to the program what i could bring to the organization just in terms of versatility um playmaking just another score ball handler just a, just a person to kind of come in and just do whatever the team needs to, to get some more wins. Well, that's job number one right here, too. you got to get this team back to the postseason. You guys ready to hit the postseason? I think you start your mark right here. You're both rookies, right? So you can start making the postseason and your rookie season never look back right here. Yeah, most definitely. I don't see why we can't get it done this year, especially with the talent and the skill set, just the different players we have. That's exactly right. And, and you, what's your expectation for yourself and fitting into this team, Ben, moving forward here? Uh, yeah, I think I'm versatile and uh, can shoot the ball and play defense. And I think uh, rookies, the way you get onto the court is by playing defense and showing <laughs> that you can compete. But, um, yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm super optimistic. Um, this young core is super good and uh, fun to watch, and I'm just glad to be a part of it now. So, Have you guys met Tyrese yet at all? Talked to Tyrese Halliburton yet? Yeah, I met him during my workout. He was there. He is the uh, straw that stirs it right there. I mean, he's he going to make you happy because he's he's an elite level willing passer, which is good to have around when you guys can shoot the basketball a little bit like this too. Hey, fellas, congratulations on everything. I know you guys are worn out. I appreciate you coming up in here and uh, spending some time with us. I know that Indianapolis and the Pacer fans are incredibly excited. And before I let you go, I wanted to have you guys be able to say something to the Pacer fans out there on uh, you know what they can expect from you guys moving. forward forward and Jess we'll start with you as far as you know Pacer fans maybe direct something to them that uh, that you expect from yourself when you're moving forward here as a rookie with this Pacer team yeah for sure I would just say to the fans just just expecting an exciting season a lot of highlights um, a lot of fun games to watch uh, move up and down a lot of fast breaks a lot of dunks just um just an exciting season with a lot of wins so I'm excited to get to it hey Ben what about you um, I'd say to the fans, just thank you for welcoming uh, me and Jairus uh, to Indiana, Indiana, and um, expect some good things from from us and the team. So, got some pickup games in the morning. You guys gonna be around? You can come down <laughs> with me, man. Out of there, Doc. <laughs> come on now, come on now. You got to help a guy out here. No, seriously. Hey, pleasure to have you in here. Don't be a stranger. Come up here whenever you want. Hang out whenever you want. But uh, again, the best of luck moving forward, guys. And and thanks for being in here with us. Absolutely. Thank you for having. Thank you. It's a Jarris Walker, and that is Ben Shepard. Uh, picks number seven, really number eight, I guess overall, and number twenty-six in round number one for the Pacers. On the end. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. More Automotive Group Potline from the Indianapolis Star. He covers the Pacers. Dustin DePurak is with us. Anything uh, out of the ordinary happened during that introductory press conference you were covering a little, a little bit ago downtown? 
Yeah, no, not really. Everything went uh, pretty much according to plan, I guess. And I think, I guess, if there's one thing that was slightly different, uh, they they put Chad Buchanan out front uh, for this one. I don't think that was for any other reason than to you know get Chad in front of some cameras as opposed to Kevin Pritchard. Um, so I think that's all that was. But uh, otherwise, yeah, everything was pretty much normal. I think it was it was uh, it was cool to watch. You know, the families and everything. Jarius Walker brought uh, you know his parents, his sisters. Uh, they seem to be having a blast. Obviously, you know, big uh, big day for you know the whole family of these guys obviously to be breaking in the NBA, you know, big deal for Jairus. Obviously had a sense that he was going to be a lottery pick and also Ben Shepard probably didn't, you know, certainly not a couple of months ago, didn't think he was going to be a first round pick. So, you know, uh, obviously a big exciting day for both of those guys. Jairus Walker, we knew, right? Uh, and again, Shepard, mm-hmm. we, we did not. How surprising was that to you? And I just kind of explained it this way. Uh, I guess ultimately we don't know what's going to happen, but at least the tact or the path in which the Pacers took, I thought you could get with because they tried to address some certain needs with both of those selections last night in round one. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think Walker, you, you seem to be, it seemed to be heading that direction. I thought just for a while that there were four possibilities. It was either him, Osar Thompson, Taylor Hendricks, uh, or Cam Whitmore. Obviously, Whitmore really slipped all the way to 20, but it seemed like those are the guys they were interested in. And there was certainly a possibility that, that somebody else could have taken them, especially the Pistons. I thought they would have some interest uh, in Walker. Obviously, they ended up going with Osar Thompson and kind of opening him up. Um, but, yeah, no, clearly in, in both cases, um, you know, fits and needs. With Shepard, I, I wasn't totally shocked, but but he was just one of just so many guys that they were really looking at. It was somewhere from between a two and a four, somewhere between six five and six seven, with some length and could defend multiple positions. It was clearly that's what they were really targeting there. It was kind of a glue guy type, you know, somebody they could shoot, somebody they could defend, um, and and they were they had all kinds of guys that they were interested in there. So I was a little bit surprised it was Shepard, but not really. I mean, I could tell that, that they were fans. I knew obviously he had a really great combine, really opened a lot of eyes there uh seemed from what we heard to have a pretty good workout we don't get a huge amount of detail there but but rick carlisle really went all out to say just how good of of a workout he had how much he was really all over the place really the hustle was what stood out to him he just talked about a loose ball that he chased down and you know just went and saved it got another rebound and everything like that i think that really stood out to him that he was really a guy that could hustle and defend but also you know they really wanted somebody at at that spot uh that could shoot the basketball because they're looking for some depth there but it, it you know clearly uh they 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 checked a lot of boxes uh, with both of those guys and then clearly had some things they were specifically looking for, specific skills, and got those things. It's uh, Dustin DePierak of the Star was at the press conference a little bit earlier. Round number one, the Pacers, it was Jarris Walker and Ben Shepard, those selections. And uh, kind enough to join us right now is uh, Dustin DePierak on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Did you think maybe in Shepard's spot it could have been a little bit different? Is that maybe what you were thinking we were all thinking walker don't get me wrong at seven mm-hmm. and then ultimately at eight where they got him mm-hmm. but were you thinking shepherd where they ultimately picked ben shepherd i i believe 20 names honestly uh there there were i mean obviously they brought in 62 guys um you know for for draft workouts um and man i mean it was obviously we were sort of scattered because we went from obviously them taking walker i think we just i think we just finished up a zoom call with him not long before uh they made the 26 pick if i'm not mistaken so we were still you know sort of all over the place and trying to sort of catch up with what just happened and i was even just got a sense okay who's off the board now (laughs) you know who, who can they take who can they 
they still take you know uh, so I was I, I again I, there was a whole bunch of names I would have uh, I would have believed I would have believed Andre Jackson I would have believed Ryan Rupert um, I would have believed I mean obviously Max, Maxson's Prosper was off the list that was guy I think well they, they, they said Rupert uh, his his representation told everybody that don't pick him because he's going to Portland I believe right is that what uh, was said last night I, I believe did, I didn't see that that I did, I mean I didn't know that could be the case but I mean like they're this, again just based on what they were looking for it, again just somebody in that mold I would have believed 10 or 15 names so I mean I wasn't really surprised I mean I think uh, you know Wojnarowski tweeted out I think that it was a mid-major riser and I think somebody next to me Evan Sidari said that maybe Ben Shepard and was like well that actually makes a lot of sense that would be the guy there um, so you know again they, they were after so many of those type of wings you know bigger wings in that 6'5 to 6'8 range long arm guys quick that could shoot there was just a list of them they brought so many of them in and it was nobody that stood out really more than anybody else that used to, but, but guys that you saw in mock drafts that were anywhere between 25 and 40 and there was a whole list of those guys so i'd have believed any single one of them would you say they had a good night overall yeah no i mean i think and i asked uh chad buchanan this um they i think they hoped to be able to do more um, with some with, with those picks from 26 to 32, um, and obviously they end up moving back and getting a first round pick uh, from Denver for next year. Um, but the way he made it sound was they they were really looking uh, at a bunch of spots to try to move up. You know, they said they looked at everywhere from 10 to 20 and couldn't get anybody uh, to bite on those. They had some interest in some veteran wings, looked at that, and ultimately didn't feel like it was worth giving up the seven um, for the options that they had. So, given their options, I think pretty good. But I mean, I certainly think that they were hoping to be able to make a bigger splash and that they would get more, I guess, just pop out of out of some of those other picks that they had. And they, they had to move them because they didn't want to bring in uh, more players than they have roster spots because they've got 12 guys uh, that are still going to be on contract. They only have three free agents. So they well, well, how many roster spots do they presently have available? Three. Three. I mean, that's three, that three, they've got three free agents. So, yeah, that's, you know, I, I thought, I thought it was just – I, see, I, and I thought it was one – I thought it was one because of the contractual situations, but you say three, but they have free agents here they got to deal with. George Hill, I mean, basically the three guys that are free agents, the three guys that don't have deals for next year are George Hill, O'Shea Brissett, and James Johnson. Now, obviously, they could resign any of those. I tend to think that they'll resign George Hill. Um, Just if if they can, unless, unless it becomes impossible, you know, obviously indie guy wants to be there you know has that idea of being Udonis Haslam but also he's got still got left in the tank you know James Johnson I don't know if he's got you know he, he did a really good job I think of that you know old veteran role and they, they, everybody really really liked him um, and I think they, they like Hill too but Hill's in better shape you know Hill looks like he could play you know if he could play you know he could run around with us at least for another 10 years now I don't know if he could still play at that level but I think he's still got several left where he can run out and get up and down the floor um, and so I I I would think that they will try if, if out of any of those guys, I would have to think that they would try to keep him. Obviously, it wouldn't cost them a lot of money, uh, but I think they'd like to have one real, you know, significantly older veteran in that clubhouse to have that kind of presence. So I, I think that's why they got two rookies in the first round, and those other two guys I think can get on two ways uh, and then end up being spending a lot of time in the G League. So that's where I think they'll go. Obviously, they can make some other moves. I think they're going to certainly explore and try to be aggressive, and that might end up opening up a couple more things. And I think they got to try to at least move Daniel Tyson, see what they can do just to uh, unclog that sort of logjam they've got at center. Um, so, But that's at, at this moment, they have three guys that are free agents, and they've got 12 guys that are still you know, due to be under contract for 2023 20. I was talking this thing up uh, about how it could be 
an oh wow night. And and, and honestly, mm-hmm. it wasn't an oh wow night for anybody. It almost like it was right. a scripted mm-hmm. night. It was very sure. uh very very kind of uh, I don't know, a little milk toasty mm-hmm. as far as, you know, the night without a lot of fireworks going on. Uh mm-hmm. could you factor in maybe um the next 3 weeks or so as some fireworks worthy stuff going on here or is it going to be kind of the same according to a script what's your expectation for the pacers once free agency is allowed to be underway i mean i think they can have some fireworks i don't think i mean you look i think at the costs for what some of these trades are i mean you saw some fireworks leading up uh, to the draft, obviously, with, with the Porzingis deal, you know, moving him to Boston, moving Marcus Smart to Memphis, I think is significant. Obviously, Chris Paul uh, and Jordan Poole, uh, you know, moving around, switching places, and, and, and Paul end up going to Golden State is a pretty big deal. Uh, the Brad Beal trade is a big deal. You know, obviously, you know, the Wizards are clearly blowing the thing up and starting over. Um, so there's a lot of interesting stuff happening. A lot a lot of pretty big names are going to be moved. So it seems like there's, there's going to be some movement around the league. As far as the Pacers are concerned, I mean, obviously, once you get – these draft picks out of it and and you're seeing that those that capital didn't move the needle uh, as much as they would have hoped. Um, you know, I, I think that it obviously kind of shrinks their capacity a little bit um, to really try to make big moves. And, and it's a question of, all right, you know, will they move somebody like Buddy, and and, and what's that bring in? Um, you know, would you know would they be willing to move Miles Turner? What would that take? All right, no, go ahead. I'm just joking. Yeah, no Miles. No. Yeah, I don't think I don't think they're going to move him. Uh, I was just I happy was I didn't have to hear why didn't hear one reference of the possibility of mm-hmm. trading Miles last night during the broadcast. That made me feel good. Yeah, no, definitely. I, I mean, I, I think I think the Pacers would be happy. Obviously, they'd be thrilled to keep him. I, I, I don't know. Again, right. it, it would it would be a high bar. There would like it's not a situation. Certainly, they're not in a case where they have to move him now. They, they don't go into this like they went last year with an expiring deal. It's like okay, you got to get something for him. In this case, it's hey, you've got this. You've got to give me a really good reason. Uh, to take them off my hands, you know, you, you, you got to give me really something that draws me. And if you're not going to do that, then I'm keeping him. And so, you know, again, and you should set a high bar because I think he's a top ten center in the league. You know, you got him on a, a relatively, you know, team friendly deal uh, for the next two seasons. He wants to be there. He obviously had his best best year of his career this season. I think there's there's more to be gotten out of him with the Tyrese Halliburton connection. Uh, you'd have to really give me something special to give me Miles Turner. But the flip side of that is, if you're not moving Halliburton, you're not moving Matherin, you're not moving. Turner, and you know now you're not moving the seventh pick. Who, you know what's moving the needle on a big deal. You know, yeah, I mean, right. Buddy only gets you so much, right. and so after that, it's like, you know, what, what is there that, that's really going to make a splash? And there's there's not a whole lot there. Uh, again, I think they'll still try to be aggressive. I think they'll still look. I think they'll still check and see what's out there. Uh, but again, the ceiling for like the biggest deal they can make. Again, if if all of those you know, kind of top four pieces there are off the table, you know, there's only so high a ceiling if the best player that you're trading is Buddy Yield. Right, Dustin DePurak of the Star is with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. Final thing, do you feel that they believe that they're ahead of schedule right now with the core of this team and continuing to grow out? And I'm I'm factoring in going into to this year. Do they feel like that they're ahead of schedule compared to what they would have thought this time last year? Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I think they definitely feel like they're ahead of schedule. I mean, I mean, it's not crazy far ahead of schedule, but I, I do think um, seeing how quickly that group kind of came together, developed some level of chemistry, you saw Halliburton really kind of make the leap to being, again, an all-star caliber player, um, and I think they believe that, that he's capable of bringing more guys in um, that, that adds to the talent. And, and also, they, they could sign some free agency. They've got uh, you know about $32 million in cap room, so that's, a, that's enough to get a guy, uh, a, a pretty significant guy that's not getting you a max deal kind of guy, but it's, you know, it's close. Um, so I, I do think that they feel like they're ahead of schedule. I, I, again, the fact that they just sort of, uh, you know, identified a team leader and alpha dog, a guy that they're building around, I, I think is further ahead of schedule. Maybe they expect it to be at this point and having some pieces around him. And there's a lot further to go. You know, there, there's, and I, I think they, they believe they need more pieces. They certainly, you know, want to make sure, you know, see Jairus Walker really, uh, you know, come through and, and be as good of a player as they think he is. Um, but I, I do think ultimately that they feel like they're ahead of schedule. They don't think they're crazy far ahead of schedule. I don't, obviously, I don't think they come in this year thinking, man, you got to make a push to, you know, to win a title. But I, I think they come into this saying reasonably, uh, you know, realistically, this can be a playoff team. Uh, I don't know if it can win a round, um, but I think it, it, I think they believe that they're capable of being a team that wins, you know, 43, 44 games and gets in. You got it. Dustin DePurak of the Star with us via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline, the introductory press conference with a couple of new Pacers just a little bit earlier, Jess Walker and Ben Shepard, a part of that, along with Chad Buchanan. And uh, Dustin was down there covering that for the Star via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline. My friend, you have a great weekend. We'll catch up, I'm sure, relatively soon, man. Absolutely, man. Anytime. Thanks so much for having me. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. It is Mike Wells of ESPN Radio. Uh, your colleagues at ESPN Radio last night, I thought of the NBA draft night coverage had the absolute best of anything, TV-wise or, or otherwise. Oh, uh, that's a perfect segue for my uh, self-plug for when I'm on ESPN Radio from uh, 1 to 4 on Sunday afternoon. Uh, so, perfect segue for me, Jay. Yeah. I appreciate it. I got to tell you, I'm a little out of sorts, though, because we're, we're an hour later. We didn't have a slow jam re-entry. But <laughs> no. I, I, will, I will gladly, gladly take the back seat for some rookies for the Indiana Pacers being in studio. You didn't have to listen to them on the phone. Nah. You were able to talk. You were able to talk to them. Yes. In studio. Um, great guys. What, I mean, what was your, uh, they were, they were really on? nice guys. They were very soft spoken. Um, they didn't have a, a lot to say, uh, incredibly tired, but the effort to bring them up in here, um, I, I, listen, I can't, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll get, I'll get 20 minutes out of, out of everybody, no matter how they're, yeah, you know, I don't. I'm trying to think back, and maybe it was uh, Jarris Walker's uh, head coach in college was the only person that defied that, and that was Kelvin Sampson back in the day when he was IU's uh, head coach. But normally, I can I can get regardless of the situation, I can get some time, and I I could tell that they were worn out, they were tired. You know, they did the press conference, they got in early this morning, and uh, did a press conference, photo shoots everywhere. There was literally 20 people in the studio. Family members, Pacer people. I mean, everybody was in this studio. So, and, and that, given and the circumstances, little, they did a hell of a job. Yeah. They had 20 people in that little-ass studio? I'm telling you, man, it was. And it, it got hot in here, too. And you know how I am in hot studios. Man. I almost like, I almost started my Nelly, and it's getting hot in here. And I was about ready to take off all my clothes. 
<laughs> no, that's too funny. You know, hey, uh, I, I I found a comical. Um, again, you know, social so much is surrounded by social media. You know, is so big now, and people are always on it. The amount of comments about where Trace was taken last night, the second to last pick in the draft, and everything. And I've I've always been a believer, which why, which is why I think it worked out perfect for Draymond Green instead of the Pacers taking him in 2012 when they took Plumley. When you're in the second round, yeah, and you know your contract is not guaranteed. There's no guaranteed contract. I'm hoping that I am going to a team that I'm better suited style wise than a team that just wants to take me because I think I'm the best player available at that spot. Golden State is the perfect fit for um, for Trace because he's not, I mean, he's not, he's proven that he's not an excellent outside shooter. He doesn't have to shoot outside, jump three-pointers because they got enough of those guys on their roster. He's just got to dive to the rim, get alley-oops off of uh, drives from Steph and Clay, and you've got to protect the rim. So I, I, I would not care about being – the second to last pick in the draft. I'm going to a franchise where I'm in a great position where I can have an extended yeah. NBA career instead of being in the G League or going to going over to Europe in a year or two. And those saying, Oh my God, I can't believe the Patriots pass on it. You hit you hit it on the head perfectly. Four guys that play Trace's position. He he is not he would not be in a position to have an opportunity to get the minutes coming in. You know, Mike Dunleavy said last night that he was going to be on the roster already. None of this two-way stuff. So Trey should be happy. And I, I love what, what what was said on um, on uh, this morning on with uh, Jake and Kevin Bowen about, you know, uh, it was, it was Chad, Chad Buchanan when he basically said, hey, Trey's people basically, they his agent realized that this was not a good fit for him. No doubt. It doesn't matter, all, it doesn't matter that he's a hometown kid because you could, it had the Patriots like him, not only the log gym with the position, you got the hometown kid, his biological father played for the franchise. There's just so much pressure. Now he's going to the Bay Area, and he doesn't have that same kind of pressure that he would have had he been here. Yeah, you, th- you think, and I think that at least I've been around enough to know that he would want them to pick him here because he went to IU for four years, because he was Mr. Basketball, because he's from Center Grove. I mean, hell no. That's the last thing that you want. You don't want to be that. You want to be uh, picked, selected by a team that you believe is going to give you a legitimate chance. And at number 57, when you get picked there, that's all you're asking for is a legitimate chance to earn some rotational minutes. That's what he has. That's what's before him. And that's what he's going to have to work for. Nothing more or nothing less. It could not have worked out any better for him. Yes, and complete agreement. Of course, people like, well, people, I, I saw someone, I saw. I was bored today, so I was scrolling through Twitter. Somebody said, well, uh, people want the uh, Colts to take Marvin Harrison Jr. Well, hell yeah, you want to take Marvin Harrison Jr. That's a completely different situation. Marvin Harrison Jr. is going to be one of the top picks in the draft next year. Um, of course, that would mean the Colts are going to have to suck this, this upcoming season. But, yes, he's re- you know playing the same position as his father, same franchise. But he, he would come in and likely be the number one wide receiver. For the Colts, so it's, you can't compare the two out of it. But no, I uh, I'm glad Trace is in um, Golden State, and I, I and I don't blame the, the Pacers for skipping on him. No, no, it, it worked out well for him, and we'll see what happens. You know, once he gets out there and gets 
gets an opportunity. And, and, and again, I know a lot of this is, you know, Purdue fans taking shots at, at Trace. Um, yeah, and I got news for Purdue fans. As much as Matt Painter's on this show, Matt Painter absolutely loved Trace Jackson Davis. I mean, he thought a great deal of Trace Jackson Davis. And Purdue fans also are going to be in a much similar situation this time next year. So, you know, I, I guess, you know, if there is back and forth with IU and Purdue fans over something like this, you might want to keep that in mind because well, you'll, yeah, have, you'll, have mean, to, you'll probably have to be eating some to this variety coming up this time next year. They better hope Zach Eady, and this is no knock on Zach Eady. I'm not, I'm not taking a pot shot at him, but they better hope Zach Eady gets drafted at all next year, more so because of how the NBA game is played. And that he, you know, he is not a big man that runs, that gets out and he stretch the floor and everything. So Purdue fans need to hope that Zach can get drafted next year. So they can't be, you know, trying to take pot shots at Trace because of where he was picked at. Their big man, as talented as he is in the college game, his game may not translate to having a lot of success in the NBA. What's up, Mike Wells of ESPN Radio. I thought ESPN Radio last night did a great job on the NBA draft coverage, much better than the uh, television productions they did both on ABC and ESPN and Mike's via the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. What did you think when you were watching it last night? I, I, I kind of felt like there were no big surprises. There were really no oh-wow moments. I mean, kind of everything was much like what we have known for months. It was like knowing that Wimbanyama was going to be number one overall, and then it kind of seemed like, I guess, other than Whitmore, everything kind of went according to what we thought it was going to go prior to. Yes. Now it was, and I don't. I'm not. And when I say it was kind of a snooze fest, I say it from the standpoint of no surprise. You were where you're like, you know, um, uh, Silver gets up there, and he he makes the announcement. You're like, holy right. beep. They went here? No, it, it was it went just as yeah. as predicted. Uh, I mean, man, you talk about the lack of you know with the top five picks, the lack of college players taken. Um, those players who don't who decide to go to the G League or the overtime uh, elite stuff that route it, it seemed to work out. But no, there was nothing where you like you fell like you fell out your seat and said, "I can't believe this, this pick happened." It, it went as expected and you know um nobody took any chances mike there, there were no chances no. taken last night none no uh and, and which hey the, the way the way the game the nba game is now and it's so top heavy i don't think you can really take that risk and say uh, all right we're gonna go ahead and take a, a flyer on this project and think that he's gonna well, pan out and everything no i mean well golden state took a chance earlier in the day they just didn't take it within the parameters of of the draft, right? I mean, Golden State, I guess, unloading Jordan Poole on his contract to Washington and bringing Chris Paul in and hopefully he's going to be, you know, a savior at that age in the starting lineups and one thing. But that that's kind of, to me, you know, Mike Dunleavy taking that chance, that was like the only chance I can remember from yesterday and all, and it was outside the draft. And, you know, and, you know, and honestly, when you say you take a chance, the way I look at it, that they took a chance, and you know, Jordan Poole wasn't coming back. It was clear based off Steve Kerr's comments um, that something had to change. Um, obviously, you know, he, he, he took that hit from uh, Draymond Green. I think Golden State took the chance of, from the standpoint of, okay, let's unload Jordan Poole and hope that we're going to be able to re-sign Draymond Green. Uh, we got rid of Poole, who appeared to be a, a, a locker room issue, on the court issue. Now, if Draymond Green signs elsewhere, I think – them unloading Jordan Poole can end up blowing up in Mike Dunleavy's face in his first year as a general manager of the Warriors. 
Yeah, that part's going to be interesting because, you know, much like we were talking about with Trace being out there, being free and easy, can rim run, can go offensive glass, you know, kick it back out, get three points stepping into it. These shooters being made um, off the offensive board, play some defense, just be left-handed. And, you know, this, you know, as playing sports, especially in basketball, left-handers will tend to blank everybody up on the floor. So Trace has, you know, that to his advantage. Plus, you know, if you're working at it, which he has, and if you've evolved as a player and a mature player, which he has, he has got an arsenal of ammunition as far as motivation is concerned from everything right now. So, you know, basically now it's just up to him, but it is a great spot for him being out there. Plus, you're going to be on a team, be a part of a team that will be challenging. You know, that's finals championship or bust out there. So that'd be fun. He's out there with professionals. He's not on a team like the Charlotte Hornets or clearly the rebuilding Washington Wizards where you have a lot of youth and you're, you're likely going to be in the lottery again next year. He's on a team that has guys that play a play the game the right way, have an incredible head coach, are very mature players and stuff. Obviously, I know people say, well, what about Draymond? Yes, Draymond has his issues, but A, is a guarantee to be back, and B, you know, I'd rather have Draymond Green um, as in the locker room and as a teammate than uh, on, the, on the opposing team. So it is set up. Per, I know uh, Trace's pants are probably getting sweaty, waiting, wondering if he was going to get picked last night as he was having his party. Yeah. But when he went to bed last night, laid his head, laid his head on that pillow, he had to feel pretty good. Um, in the day of Asia, where now there's no blue check marks anymore, was that really Trace's Twitter account that said uh, people are going to regret passing over him? Was that really him? I didn't. I didn't look. I think it was though. Okay, because I, 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 I didn't. I guess you know, I, I didn't see any evidence where it wasn't, but I didn't really okay, look. You, you never know. If somebody's got a fake account or trying to act like him. Now that there's no um, that any, any Joe Blow can have a blue check mark when it comes to Twitter. I mean, think about it from this standpoint, too, um, with, with Biggs. He, uh, Oscar Shibway, for example, of Kentucky, was National Player of the Year year before last, right? And, you know, he goes undrafted, signed uh, with the Pacers as an undrafted forward center free agent, according to Shams. That was a little bit earlier today. Drew Timmy of Gonzaga, so many years, so much incredible winning and high-level production goes undrafted. He, I think he, yeah, ends, up in Mil- he ends up in Milwaukee, right, as an undrafted uh, free agent, I guess, in this case. So, but you look around – at where, you know, those low post bigs where they have flourished collegially and that's no longer the case in the situation moving up to the NBA. I mean, you match those guys up against Trey, situationally speaking, and you tell me that he didn't fall into some good fortune with that last night. Yes, uh, I'm in I'm complete. Yeah, uh, Sonogo of uh, UConn, too, right? I mean, that's another big man that also yeah. didn't get drafted, so... Man, it, it is crazy. Like, you know, you, you would think, you know, back back in, in the day, it was great to be seven feet tall and be able to play in the post and, and bang and dunk and do everything. And, shoot, Roy Hibbert is a poster child of what happens uh, when you become a big man who can't step out on the perimeter or, you, or you're not overly athletic. His career derailed. When um, when when big man became started becoming more and more extent in their inability to uh, shoot three pointers and shoot jump shots. So yeah, it it, it, it kind of sucks to be a big man who dominates in the college game and can't translate to the NBA. How would uh how would this era deal with Shaquille O'Neal's skill set? Oh, they get the hell beat out of them. 
They, you know, uh, listen. Uh, how how would he look? I guess maybe I'll flip it. How would he look in this era of basketball? Well, he was so dominant. They find they find a way. Whatever team he went to, he would he would definitely he would definitely be fine. And just because he's able to dunk, and everybody, of course, teams are going to put him in that high pick and roll situation. They're going to force him to try to get him in foul trouble. But I do think Shaq might be the rare exception to be able to still have an impact in the NBA at his with his size and with his strength. What about Jabbar? Ooh, that's a, that is a great question on Kareem. Ooh, what do you think? I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to flip it and let you answer that. Yeah. Um, I, I think the way that everybody thinks right now, the NBA, that it would be problematic for both those guys. You know, even with the yeah. dominance that you talk about regarding Shaq and what we know now clearly, um, and certainly the dominance over so many different years, much less decades, with Kareem, uh, I think in the era in which they play right now, unless you're on a team that did not think that way because of your incredible skill set in the low post, uh, it would be tough for either one of those incredible low post Hall of Fame individuals to get close to what they got close to in their career in this era. Hey, but here, let me do this. Yeah. Could you imagine Shaq playing with Golden State? Yeah, him yeah he that, would, uh, what, I mean, what, what, rebound? What, rebound and dunk what, and stuff? And, yeah, yeah then yeah, hey, Curry, what, rebound what, Curry's 35-foot misses when he does. Hey, but with those shooters and not, you couldn't double-team Shaq in the post because he would have a field day. If uh, you if you try to play them straight up and then you double double team them, guys like uh, Clay and uh, Steph, they would probably shoot sixty percent on three pointers. How, how happy would he be though? Play. How happy would he be going five possessions where he wasn't the first option on the offensive end? Would he be happy about that? Uh, of course not. Of course, <laughs> of course he wouldn't. Be. <laughs> That's what I kind of think about. I think about the reaction to you know what we know now compared to the reaction of what we know today is that if you have somebody that has that type of of ego because he is so good such high level and you go five possessions and you know you got dudes shooting threes off of two passes and they don't go to you in a low post i think you got to factor in that particular feeling too yeah yeah i didn't think about that i thought yeah i thought it from the, from the other way around right. hey i know we were talking about trace the whole time yep what you what did you what did you think of the Patriots draft. Um, you, were I, you all in favor of it? I was. I was. Um, I was pro Jarris Walker the entire time. Um, yeah, because I, I think that that he embodies what is necessary uh, for this team uh, to grow and to get better. I don't necessarily know if if what we're going to see is going to have immediate impact. But he looks to be certainly strong and athletic enough. And having him in studio, you can certainly see that. Uh, strong and athletic enough to be put out there and at least be rotational. I, I kind of said this, Mike. Um, regarding Walker, I'll compare it to Richardson. All right, I'm not expecting you know either one to jump off the page with incredible levels of production. But I will be incredibly disappointed if either would be, you know, in this case with Walker outside of rotation where they they can't play him just yet because he's not ready. And the same goes for Anthony Richardson in week number one of the NFL season for the Colts. Incredibly disappointed if he is not deemed ready to go. So I kind of view them both in similar fashion. You're going to take their lumps. They're going to get their ass whipped. They're going to get sacked. They're going to make mistakes. All that is going to occur. You know that I was talking to 
to uh, to Walker about that, and you know he's going to get benched by Rick Carlisle. You know that is coming at some point. Um, but I just want to know. You want to know. Fans around here want to know that they are both deemed ready at a young age, which a, a relative level of inexperience to play the positions and the reasons in which they were drafted by the teams here. That's where you yeah. start for me, right there. No, I, I know, and of course, you know, people are moaning and groaning that oh, it was kind of a boring draft for the Pacers. Didn't make quote unquote a splash. Again, it's about continue to add pieces. Where now that free free agency is about to start, is there as you look at the free agent landscape, is there somebody you look at and say, man, they need to go get this guy, or they should try to trade for this guy? I, I, I wish that they would add. You know, another established type of wing. I do. Um, because I, I do think that, that Jess Walker is going to take s- some time. I think he's going to be rotationally ready. But I wish they had another established wing, um, certainly better than, than what they have right now, uh, that is veteran, that can score, that can play defense. Um, I don't think they have that. I think the problem is it's going to be difficult to get something like that because they don't have – I think they have one roster spot right now which is open. And we'll see what happens with Buddy Heald. You know, we'll see what happens with Chris Duarte you know, coming up during this free agency period when trades are made. You know, Jalen Smith, Isaiah Jackson, who may or may not be on the trade block. But I, I think that that is the position they need because even though I believe in Walker, Mike, and his defensive prowess – moving forward as he grows, uh, it's still necessary in the now. And I have expectations for this team to make the postseason in the now coming up this year, and they're not going to do that playing the type of defense that they played last season. No, no. You know, I got to tell you, I forgot that – I tend to forget that that Chris Warte is on the roster. Yeah. Yeah, it's something, too, because after his rookie season, everybody was excited. That was almost like – it was the rebirth of Kevin Pritchard here. I mean, Kevin Pritchard was, you know, everybody was down, and he's got to get out. He can't make the right pick, right decisions. And, you know, it kind of started with Duarte when a lot of people said, well, he's too old, they shouldn't draft him, but they did, and he had a good rookie season. And then, you know, unfortunately, since that point in time, between injuries and, you know, getting log jammed kind of with, uh, you know, other rotational guys similar to him, it, it kind of looks like he could end up being the odd man out. But that's where it all started, kind of a rebirth of the image of Kevin Pritchard as a decision maker for for this team yeah. and really most of it since then and we'll see what happens with this group but most of it since then has has been positive and also Mike you know this what comes with you know when things are going well what comes with positive you also can create good fortune and a part of that good fortune is being able to ridiculously sign DeAndre Ayton to an offer sheet almost a year ago in July and be fortunate enough that Phoenix was dumb enough to match it. So you got lucky there. Yep. So nah, good, good fortune Good fortune comes with high-level production. It all comes hand-in-hand hand sometimes. Completely. All right, hey, I got to get, get running, man. I got to uh, get these kids off and uh, run some errands with them, man. Uh, my girl Laney doing anything this weekend? Late. Um, I think she's going to a camp. I think they went to Holiday World day before yesterday, so I, I think they've all been asleep since that. Laney and Adelaide went, and I think it was I think it was chaos from what I've heard. You didn't roll down there and hang out and sit on a bench and a pair of jorts eating, fun, eating funnel cake. 
Well, <laughs> I did not go. I think my my wife went, and then Blake went down with some uh, some Ron Colley friends. I think so. They they went you know, like same day, but but separately. I, I love this is what I love about my kids, and especially you know, in this case, Blake. He stops at all the places in which I always stop at to take pictures and send them to me. He stopped. He stopped at Stoll's Lakefront at Boggs down outside of Lagoni. Pictures for me. Snitzelbank in Jasper. He stops. They didn't eat or anything, but pictures for me. That's how I know I have reared my children accurately. Is when they they stop. And by the way, CG did play Bedford, and then they had a little inner squad thing after that the other day. I get to see uh, Jeff Allen, the head coach of Bedford North Lawrence, the 4A champion Bedford North Lawrence Stars. I talked to him for a while too. He was up there, so good times. Nice, nice. Hey, uh, I think uh, Austin Parkinson, the, the Butler women's coach. I think they got a. Uh, don't they got a, a player from Bedford um, uh, going there this year? Oh, are they? This year, or she committed for next year. One or two. Oh yeah, yeah. What, they, they, yeah, they, yeah. They're certainly. Oh, now you bring it up, and I can't remember. Um, I can't remember the girl's name right off the top of my head. Um, but I know you're talking yeah. about, and he still, Jeff still has talent down there, and and beyond talent, he just they, they got girls that scrap. I mean, they they scrap, and they grind. Uh, they are tough. He's got a nice group down there. It just kind of, kind of flows from class to class. I guess this is one of these ways, and I always kicking and screaming describe it as such when it's described as a culture, right? I know that's yeah. overused, but that's what he's got down there. Talent or not, they grind and play tough, and that's a lot of the battle at that level. And, and I and I, and I bet you. Um... He has. Uh, he gives every girl an opportunity. If they play hard enough, probably, probably get a shot at the playing time, huh, bro? <laughs> oh, I love a little. I love. I do like a little B and L. I can't lie. I always have. Yeah, listen, I like Bedford. All, I, I am always going to stick up for my girl, Lainey. Well, well, she loves you guys. I know that she loves you guys. So. Going to stick up for her. So. Hey, brother, have a great weekend, man. I'll talk to you next Friday. You got it, buddy. Thank you, Mike Wells of ESPN Radio. 